Hey. Sorry, I don't have any impressions today. That's all right. I'm not. Well, it's you gonna go all, down on your permanent record. I mean, I just wasn't feeling confident enough. I don't I'm know. Feeling confident enough. I well, I was sitting here practicing, and 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 I just thought that it wasn't a high enough caliber for me to bring to our fucking accomplices. Because hello, welcome, and thanks for listening to another episode of Take the Money and Run. Um. Uh, on the vape ones and twos is uh, the most feral of all the bear cats. Will? What up? No, this is actually, if you couldn't Uh-oh. hear that lighter, this is actually the good old Uh-oh. fashioned. Someone might have fallen off the cigarette wagon. Hey, man, you know, uh, things happen. I mean, we, we've, we've been talking about, you know, different types of vices and stuff. Uh, Hashtag lately. YOLO. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm taking a little a little break from from drinking right now. Outstanding. Which, which, which is probably why I don't have any confidence to do my stupid voices. Well, um, you know, so maybe you just need to pop, pop a couple zannies and uh, do a line of blow <laughs> off a stripper's hard dick. And uh, one second, I got another C three flying over my fucking house. Oh, I heard that one. Yep. <laughs> all right well i'm sure i'm sure that um blow and strippers and zannies are preferable uh to just having a couple drinks um, yeah i mean it makes a but... good breakfast <laughs> Jesus. Uh, um yeah uh <laughs> fucking pussy <laughs> i mean i guess well, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> Uh, but uh, but yeah, I uh, I, I've been having a couple smokes lately myself. Um, Do it. Yeah, and I I was I was I stopped drinking coffee, and uh, I don't know. See, I don't know if that's actually. Yeah, no, I don't think it was, man. To be completely honest, the majority of my life fell apart. Like I managed to save it at the last second. Way to go! Way to go! some, Some of it, I guess. You know, um, that's that's really what success is, is managing to barely keep your life from falling apart, or more than barely, but as long as you barely do it, it's still keeping it from falling apart, and then you win. It's not right. flying, it's falling with style. Exactly. Or, but yeah, I've I've cut out the energy drinks. That's probably good. Yeah. yeah. I don't really fuck with, like, those. I, I want to cut down my general sugar intake. But, um, I mean, I literally just went and bought, like, a iced coffee slushy and, like, a Twix bar for later. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Sometimes I just, like, crave it. But, like, I can sense that, and I know it's not a good thing. And uh, No, man. You, you yeah. go two weeks without the sugar. I'm back on the keto thing. I'm not eating bread. I'm not eating sugar. Very little carbs. I get it mostly from carrots and peanut butter. Okay. Hashtag Joe Rogan. But, um. <laughs> right. JRE. Yeah. Uh um, that's it's the way to go, man. You have more energy, you feel better, you sleep better. Yeah, you... I got to I got to I uh I've been I've been good for a week. I've been good for one week today. So, all right. Um, my body feels remarkably better. Your body is ready? Well, I I don't uh, well, we're ready for another fucking podcast. 
the fuck yeah. In the least, um, I uh, this week I'm really stoked because um, shout out to Mark Cohen in New Jersey. Um, what up, Mark? Good friend of mine. Um, new friend of the pod, I guess. Uh, actually, he said he was new to like podcasts and stuff in general. Um, oh, know. man. So he has no expectations. He probably thinks this is fucking great. I know that we got him. You know That's, what I mean? If, if we, we could need, just, we need yeah. more virgins like that. Pop, it, yes. Yeah. Pop your cherry with us. And then we're like the kind of uh, fat, sweaty, 250 pound, smells like whiskey and cigarettes stepdad. And then, you know, later on, you can move on to a real podcast that's like, you know, caring and sensitive and has a six pack. And yeah. But I mean, you know, you always you always go back. You there's, do. No, there's, there's nothing like your first. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're going to scar him for life. He's done. But yeah. he he actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. He just wanted to say that we're doing a, a decent job. And he thinks it's cool. And um he wanted us to look into this fucking heist. Uh, so we're back to remotely lighthearted, um, upbeat bullshit this, this episode. No okay, more. And, th- and this is an actual heist we're doing this time? <coughs> Money is stolen. Well, Pete, yeah. Is that, that, that does makes that count? a heist. Does that count? Okay. So, um... Should we keep bullshitting, or you think guys should just fucking No, get let's into do this? it. I want to hear how the money was stolen. You've got me hooked now. Okay, well, just, I'm just gonna, just one thing. That sounds like a bong. That was, that was probably a bong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get it that out. Was, that was my, uh, that was my DC3 flying by. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a good name for Australia. What are you smoking on these days? Um, that was some Skittles with a Z. Skittles. Oh, yes. That was new when last I was in California about a year ago. It was cheap from the delivery service. Well, can't be cheap and delivered. No, they're good guys. What a um, time to be alive. Shout out to Bay Area Flavors. <laughs> Um. Uh, yeah, we need sponsors. Um. So, I'm gonna close this fucking window. All right. So, we're gonna do a little time traveling. Time traveling. I like a little it. bit of a little bit of flying. I like flying too. Uh, we're gonna totally tie this into our uh, last couple weeks of talking about horrible plane missing things oh this is getting exciting oh man i'm really working it up i'm just trying to drink more water and not cough um so uh so we're gonna go to uh portland oregon um portland the, uh, oregon yeah portland international airport okay um so this is uh thanksgiving eve wednesday november 24th 1971 um a man uh, described as mid forties, five ten to six feet tall, well dressed. Um, he's got kind of like a rain jacket, um, but he's got a nice black suit on, um, dark sunglasses. Uh, he's wearing like brown loafers, which are kind of like slip on shoes. I guess they're comfortable. I don't know. 
wasn't um, planning on doing much running, was he? No, not, not much of anything, really, I guess, just hanging out. Um, he had a black clip-on tie uh, with a mother-of-pearl uh, tie pin. Um, he was also carrying, uh, it, everywhere it's described at the time as an attache case, which is, mm-hmm. it's like a briefcase. Um, but, uh, so, um, this fucking guy, um, purchases a one-way ticket to Seattle, Tacoma, uh, airport for 20 bucks cash. And, uh, this doesn't require any kind of like ID check, security, anything. This whole, this whole, this whole, excuse me, this whole, like, Anything related to airport security, uh, you know, just erase it from your mind. It, it was a exist. simpler and more innocent time. Airports, uh, I mean, you know, from, from what I'm gathering, uh, the, 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 uh, those mobile, you know, extendable hallways that you walk through yeah. you know, to get physically onto the plane ha- didn't exist for a, while, for a while. You'd, you know, go out onto the tarmac, you'd get on the little stairs you know, you've seen the the video, you know, movies with like the the stair. Yeah, yeah, trucks, it's, it's, it's like know? how the president gets on and off the plane. Bingo. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to give any kind of identification or anything um, when he goes up and buys this ticket. Um, and the name that he puts on the on the ticket. Do you have any idea? Yeah. Um, I have no idea, but I bet it's going to be exciting. Um, the name he writes down for this, for the ticket is Dan Cooper. Dan Cooper. You know what? I think I might've heard about this. I think you might've heard about this. Yep. So, uh, Dan Cooper, um, boards the aircraft, which is a Boeing 727. Um, he sits near the back of the aircraft in, uh, 18C, um, the flight is about a third full, um, you know, so he's got like a, you know, the back of the plane kind of to himself. Um, he lights up a cigarette and orders a bourbon and soda. Um, the flight takes off at 2.50 p.m. Uh, airplanes about, used to be red. Dude, airplanes used to be rad. Um, bowling alleys used to be more rad. You could still kind of like drink into it, but you can't smoke anymore. And uh, what's the other thing? I don't know. That's why when I went to Vegas, I smoked like a whole pack of cigarettes, you know, very quickly because just you could smoke anywhere. And it, yeah. was, it was more of just like the, oh, man, this is crazy. I'm not outside, you know, that of it. The, yeah, I don't know. I had to take a break off that uh, cigarettes after Vegas, too. But I enjoy them. Yeah. Well, someone probably middle aged women hate fun. Bars for everyone. That's what it is. Bars. Wish you could smoke in bars. You know, some places you still can. Santa Cruz, you can. Santa Cruz? Yeah. Wait. Check it out. So there's a way you can get around it. The The reason it's banned in California is for, it's an OSHA violation. So it's unsafe for employees. So what they do in Santa Cruz is everyone who works at the bar is technically a part owner. They have like a 1% stake in the bar. So that oh. way they're not an employee. <laughs> Man, lawyers are crafty. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to check some of those bars out. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, 
planes planes used to be cool um but at the same time maybe not i don't know um so uh yeah the flight um where was it i thought i had it written down oh um it, yeah he boards he boards the flight it's northwest orient airlines flight 305 it's about a 30 minute flight so it's super short um Shortly after takeoff, uh, Dan Cooper turns around and hands a note to Florence Schaffner, um, who's a flight attendant, and she's, like, sitting in the jump seat area, you know, towards the back of the aircraft by him. Mm -hmm. Um, She thinks, you know, that he's passing her his number or some kind of, like, you know, um, misogynistic, you know. Oh, yeah, I mean, back in the day, like, like, it it wasn't some, like, freaking uh old lady or a uh key west type uh gay dude it was it was hot chicks working in those <laughs> as stewardesses on the airlines and you could slap their ass and give them your number and not get diverted to the nearest airport and beat half to death by the local cops i'm wondering if you're speaking from experience in terms of the old time good old days when you could get away with it or the time you went to jail for slapping a, a, a flight attendant on the ass no comment. Fifth. Um, so uh, she just like puts it, you know, in her purse, you know, um, but he's just like staring at her <laughs> um, because she's not, she hasn't read it yet. And he kind of like leans in and insists that she reads the note, like saying, um, Miss, uh, you better look at that note. Uh, I have a bomb, um, which is exactly what you want to hear when you're a, a flight attendant on a, on a plane. Um, the, the note was neatly printed in all capital letters uh, using a felt tip pen. I guess it's kind of like a, like a marker or some shit. Um, it said that he had a bomb and that uh, he wanted the flight attendant to come sit next to him. Um, so, you know, she's shocked, looks up at him, like, you know, gives him like an are, are you serious face and he like shakes his head and, you know, kind of waves her over and she comes and sits down next to him. And, um, you know, they kind of talked quietly as to not alert anybody else on the aircraft, you know, what the fuck was going on. But um, she asked him if he was serious and if she could see the bomb. Uh, he partially opened the briefcase like enough for her to see multiple red cylindrical sticks, you know, stacked on top of each other interconnected with different types of wires and like a large battery, you know, looking thing uh, definitely has the, the likings of a bomb, I guess. Or what so she, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't about to fuck around with it. Right. Yeah. And, um, she had like called, uh, another flight attendant over at this point. Um, what was her name? I have it written down later in the thing, Tina Mucklow. Um, and uh you know they're just kind of like dumbfounded at this at this point but uh dan cooper instructs florence schaffner to write down everything he's saying and bring it to the to the captain or to the pilot um quotes i want two hundred thousand dollars by 5 p.m in cash and put it in a knapsack i want two back parachutes and two front parachutes when we land I want a fuel truck ready to refuel. No funny stuff, or I'll do the job. <laughs> well, all right. 
It's going to do the job. I'm guessing um, the job involves uh, the bone. Well, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but uh, so the captain, um, William Scott, relays this you know, information to the ground and to Northwest Orient Airlines. Um, and they, uh, Northwest Orient Airlines uh, agrees to pay the ransom. You know, they're just like, okay, everybody comply. Like, don't, you know, don't fuck with it. Like, it's probably just... cheaper than a new plane. And all the, you know, all the death payout of like, I think there's 30 something people on board. Yeah, it's a no brainer. Um, so, uh, so they agree to pay the ransom uh, while the FBI and law enforcement officials are contacted. You know, they begin to mobilize and start to procure uh, $200,000 in cash and four parachutes, which uh, apparently getting four parachutes on such short notice is more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, they probably don't keep them laying around. Uh... <laughs> Most commercial airlines, I don't think anyone has a parachute. If something goes wrong, everyone's pretty much in it together. Well, I, not not on board, but I mean, you'd you think as as the FBI field office somewhere with some, you know, maybe a helicopter crew, you know, EMT, helicopter, Coast Guard, I, anything. I don't I know, mean, man. You can't parachute out of a helicopter, really, if you're driving it. No, but, yeah, that's true. There's no. Uh, ejector seat on a helicopter yeah <laughs> i think parachutes might be uh might be a little more rare than the movies would have you believe interesting i feel feel let down to be completely honest well you know you could always invest in a parachute and keep it with you whether or not you know just in case that's a that's a key item i need for for my go bag absolutely my, my bug out bag yep you know, when the big earthquake hits here in California, like uh, all I need, parachute is all going I to be really paramount. Is a parachute. Yep. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so, uh, 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 um, yeah. So everybody starts freaking out. They're trying to gather all this shit. It takes them about two hours to get you know all this together. Um, the passenger, the passengers on board are told that there's a delay on the ground, um, causing you know, them to have to maintain like a holding pattern around the airport and the Puget Sound. Um, uh, oh, man. I was doing better when I kept my finger where I was reading. There we go. That was easy. So um, at 524, um, uh, Cooper is told that like his demands are met. So, you know, he's he's cool. So um, that's... Everybody, I'm just going to take a step back and kind of describe Lord Dan Cooper at this point. He's so calm, cool, and collected and just like having a couple smokes, you know, drinking. I think he had two bourbon and sodas, which at that time, you know, in the early 70s, I, I saw it was like a just a fancier drink kind of, you know. Um, yeah. He smoked nicer cigarettes. They were like rally rally cigarettes it's like a don draper is exactly you know what i picture if you're about to hold the plane hostage with a potentially real bomb you might want to go all out with the uh booze and and smokes well that's later like what what um you know fbi you know 
theorists and shit, uh, you know, were thinking like, if he was really freaking out, or if he was really, you know, nervous in any way, you would think that he would drink like a fish, or, you know, smoke way more than however many cigarettes he smoked. You know, he he, he took his time. He just so he's out. just chilling. He, he's just chilling. He's really nice to the stewardesses, and um, you know, like he's not causing any kind of hoopla. You know, in the back, you know, nobody knows anything. And, um, you know, he, 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 they said that he actually kind of seemed like really familiar with the area, which, you know, comes in in other, you know, theories of what happened. Um, but he, he like pointed out, out the window at one point, you know, cause he, he's, he's hanging out and talking to the, to the, uh, oh, geez, I lost it the flight attendants, you know, because they they know that they're held hostage. So they're hanging out in the back of the aircraft with him and he's just shooting the shit with them. But they, they've said he's just, he was super nice, super respectful. Um, he pointed out like, that looks like Tacoma, you know, out, just out the window um, indicating that he kind of knows, you know, the Northwest area a little bit. Um, he said something about, um, McCord Air Force Base being like a 20 minute drive from uh, Seattle Tacoma Airport. Um, so, so, yeah, so like he, he definitely has some kind of, you know, base around there. But th- this isn't just some rando dude that decided, hey, today's a good day to rob a plane. No, definitely not. Might kind of know what he's doing, like some military or possibly spy type individual definitely i don't want to say has done it before but like yeah has has probably done enough of each little bit to be able to put it all together into one big awesome plan so um okay where are we uh oh we're still in the holding pattern um the plane lands at 539 um Cooper instructs the crew to have it taxi out to like a secluded slash well-lit piece of the runway tarmac. Um, He lets uh, 34 passengers go, a couple of the crew, um, and he, he gets the, the money and the parachutes brought to him by Al Lee, which is the, he's the operation manager of, um, Northwest Orient Airlines, but he he wears like really obvious street clothes, and I don't know exactly what that means. But he, what he was trying to do was like not freak out Dan Cooper, making him think he's like a cop or anything. Um, gotcha. I so, bet that wasn't in the uh, job description though when he took that operations manager job. <laughs> getting getting within you know however many yards of. A, a terrorist with an explosive device yeah, in a hijacked ransom plane. Ransom delivery to a hijacked plane. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, so this guy brings um, two military-style drop shoots, um, one of which was uh, a dummy shoot, clearly marked with, like, a big red X on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, honestly, that's just, like, all they could get on such short notice. Uh, that That's why... That, that's you know, taking it back to where I was saying before, like, you know, apparently it's much harder to, so that they, they had to go to like a, 
uh, a skydiving school, like, and talk to the instructor and get them to give them the parachutes. Yeah, I was gonna say that's probably the first place I would. Uh... So that's why they have the one dummy chute. That one's like just for instructional purposes and stuff. But they only had three operational suit chutes. So they're like, we just have this one extra, and they were like, fuck it, maybe he'll, maybe he won't figure it out. <laughs> um, but then they also have uh, two like sport parachutes, you know, like the kind of rectangular ones you can direct where they go. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, twenty dollar. Um, I'm sorry, uh, two hundred thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills. Um, the bills are recorded by the FBI and bank that gave them to them. Um, all the serial numbers were pre-recorded on, on microfilm. So, yep. you know, if they ever get found or spent or anything, we can find them. Yeah, um, they'll, they'll know, like, yeah, when it gets passed to a bank, they'll be able to zero in on the location or something. Right. So the only issue with this that, Dan Cooper didn't take into consideration, you know, potentially, is that he never specified what denomination he wanted the bills. So if he would have said $100 bills, you know, that's still a lot of bills, but they gave him $20 bills and it weighed 23 pounds. <laughs> that's a lot of money. That's a lot of fucking money to like have on you and, you know, potentially whatever this guy's going to do with it, you know, after this. I think the most cash I've ever held before was just shy of a hundred thousand, and it was a lot of hundreds in there. That's a lot, but but you could hold it in one hand. Uh, in a bag in one hand, yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah, cash like is is much smaller in person than Hollywood would like you to believe. Yeah. Um. So, uh, oh, look, I left my finger right where I should be reading. Uh, the plane was refueled um, by several fuel trucks. You know, they just wanted to get it full or whatever. And uh, it took back off without a problem at 7.40 p.m. Um, he instructed the plane to go south, eventually uh, with the destination being Mexico City. Uh, he had, like, strict instructions for how, to, how, they, how, sorry, how he wanted the plane to fly. Um, he wanted it to maintain an altitude of 10,000 feet. Uh, he wanted it to fly, uh, just above air stall speed, which I saw a couple of reports saying anywhere from 120 to 200 miles an hour. Um, he also wanted the, the flaps down at a 15 degree angle, um, which, you know, usually that's only used for landing or slowing the plane down a lot. Um, and he also wanted the landing gear down. You know, he didn't want it retracted at all. Um, he also wanted, well, interestingly enough, this plane was one of the only planes in use at the time that had uh, aft uh, stairway door. It had like a, um, you know how cargo planes have like the, the door in the back that comes yeah, down. It, it opens from behind, like how people jump out of an airplane. Exactly. This one, uh, you know, commercial airliner had stairs back there. So, so he, he probably picked not just the flight, but also the type of plane. Yes. 
he yeah he had the, he like he had it planned out he knew what he was going to do this doesn't sound like it was amateur hour at all no no uh, i'm still picturing don draper or john ham as john don draper um you know um hijacking an airplane hijacking an airplane with a bomb yeah it, pretty spot on um so the captain informed him that with the fuel they had and the speed and, you know, all that bullshit that they were never going to make it to Mexico city. Um, so he gave him like a couple more, uh, options, um, including, uh, Phoenix and Reno. Um, and Dan Cooper was reported to have said, uh, quotes. Yeah. Reno's nice. Let's go to Reno. And, um, they flew along, uh, Vector 23, which is a low-altitude flight path um, from Seattle to Reno. And um, at this time, uh, two F-106 fighter jets were scrambled, but uh, they couldn't maintain such a low speed as the 727. So they just kind of had to, like, circle around and follow it. Um, After takeoff... uh, a remaining flight attendant, um, Tina Mucklow, was instructed by Cooper to go into the cockpit with the rest of the remaining crew, which was like, I don't know, another three people possibly. Um, when she was closing the door to the cockpit, uh, as instructed, um, she turned around and looked at Cooper and saw him like tying something around his waist, um, which she, you know, allegedly believed was you know he was trying to get the money around his waist or something that would Um, make sense yeah uh at so so that was the last time technically anybody sees dan cooper um around 8 p.m um you know 20 minutes after takeoff um the the cabin depressurizes and uh a light goes on in the in the cockpit indicating that the aft stairway door is open so you know he's gone to the back of the plane he's he went and opened the you know he put down the fucking stairs um at 8 13 uh the crew reports that they felt um the tail section like jerk upward in like an upward movement you know, um, very similar to if you kind of drop like a hundred and sixty pound weight off the back of the plane in the right. flight. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so at ten fifteen p.m., the seven twenty seven touches down in Rio, Nevada, with the aft stair door still, you know, open. Um, FBI and local police, you know, surround the plane, search it but they do not find fucking Dan Cooper at all. Um, all they find is one of the sports shoots. Um, he had opened it and kind of like cannibalized it, um, possibly to secure the, the bag of money to him and use some of the cord. Um, there was the other sports shoot that was still packed. So he took one dummy shoot, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and one regular like military drop shoot all right um along with his uh black clip on tie uh mother of pearl tie pin and 
eight rally brand cigarette butts that Cooper had smoked. Um, his two drink glasses were, you know, gathered and mixed in before the flight had landed. So, you know, they never could really get his fingerprints or any kind of DNA off those. Got it. Um, it was calculated based on time accounts that from the plane being on autopilot um, that at 8.13 when the crew believed Cooper to have jumped from the, you know, deployed aft stair door, the plane was traveling over the Lewis River in Washington during like a really heavy rainstorm. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So the, probably not the ideal time or place to jump. No. In the dark, in the middle of a rainstorm, um, at 10,000 feet, the wind chill, uh, I saw it would be set negative 70. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just wearing a suit? Just a suit. He had like a light kind of like rain trench coat kind of thing. And loafers. Don't forget the loafers. Don't forget the loafers. Um, so the initial landing drop zone estimate was located just south of Mount St. Helens, um, a few miles outside of Ariel, Washington, which uh, I don't know if you want to go on like a, a hillbilly field trip with me, but I would love to go to Ariel, Washington and like go to the Dan Cooper bar and <clears throat> or I'm sorry, the DB Cooper bar. And it's kind of like if we if we went to Roswell, you know. Yeah, except this and is the, one that we can actually believe in. This, yes, a hundred percent. We can get little Dan Cooper souvenirs and shit. Dan Cooper sunglasses and, and clip-on ties. And then we can go rob an airplane. I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh. So yeah, that's that's kind of like a, you know, a little joke destination now. But um, the search area was actually later updated due to subsequent analysis of all the, you know, data and bullshit showing that the landing zone was inaccurate where they originally thought. Um, Pilot William Scott came forward later and said that the plane wasn't on autopilot, that he was flying it, and that he was most likely significant, significantly east um, than, you know, they originally thought than, uh, sorry, than originally, like, vector. 23 um but i don't know how they couldn't i mean i I guess i i understand it's the 70s yeah they didn't have gps tracking so they they didn't know that's exactly where the planes blows fucking blows my mind that's unbelievable yeah so a plane just took off and you hoped you took it to the right place you just hope you talk to the next uh radio tower in the right area yeah, and it's up to you to figure it out. You've got a map and a steering wheel and the window, and you just go. There's some story of, of um, somebody's, somebody's vice president in the 30s or 40s, maybe, and they were, like, driving through some national park canyons or something, and there was no contact, and they got lost, and just nobody knew where the vice president was for like three days or something like that. That's uh, yeah. Different kind of times. a big deal. Different times. Well, it wasn't important. I guess. I don't know. It wasn't. Oh, it's like, uh, he'll, he'll show up. 
So, yes, exactly. Uh, he'll show up if, if we really need him. Or but, not. Like, he's a yeah. vice president, whatever. We can always go get another one of those. Anyway, um, so uh, the searching, I'm sorry, the, the search area was changed um, because that and other factors um, predicted, the, uh, predicted the drop zone to be in, like, a main drainage area of the Washalgal River into the Columbia River. And I looked up, you know, on Google Maps or whatever, where these rivers are, where Ariel is, and um, kind of looked, you know, from Seattle or, uh, yeah, Seattle to Reno. And uh, it, it, it really does play into the theories, you know, how he dropped, if he dropped, you know, where he might be. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just turned that page, and, and that's that's pretty much it. So I just have, like, a couple more points, but I'd really rather harp right now on the fact that Dan Cooper has never been found dead or alive. There's never been any evidence of either of the parachutes. Um, none of this money has ever popped up. That's, that's what I was going to ask, is did the money ever get found in circulation? Well, not in circulation. So one one of my last points that I'm trying to draw out is uh, February ni- 1980. I, I told a little bit of a lie right there because eight-year-old Brian Ingram, um, he was out camping with his family um, on this beach known as uh, Tina Bar. Uh, it's like right along the Columbia River. Um, he's, he's like out on the sand digging like a little bit of a fire pit. Um, this Tina Bar place is about 20 miles southwest of Ariel, the original um, drop estimated zone. Um, he's like digging through the sand with his fingers and he feels, feels something. <laughs> something here. Uh, he ends up digging three wads of $20 bills, all moldy and, you know, soft with sand and, and shit, but um, $5,800 worth. Whoa. And yeah, they uh, they, you know, promptly turned it into FBI officials, you know, because the money's not, you know, usable or anything. So there's no incentive. And uh, obviously they know about the whole D.B. Cooper thing. Um, th- uh, whatever that is, I wish it would stop vibrating my phone. Um, they turn it into the FBI and uh, the fucking serial numbers match. So this is this is the money. You know what I mean? Like some of the money. Some of the money. This is this is it though. Nothing else has ever been found in any of the weeks and weeks and uh, of searching and you know hundreds of National Guard troops and you know local volunteers. I mean, dozens of square miles have fucking been combed over with you know helicopters and everything. No skeletons. No torn bits of fucking parachutes no no you know dollars flailing in the wind just that fifty eight hundred dollars is it that's all that's ever been found man so and how far how far away from the predicted drop zone was that fifty eight hundred dollars found like is it possible that it fell out like while he was jumping or is it more likely that he squirreled it away along the way 
it was 20 miles away from the originally predicted drop zone. Okay. And and pre and it's pretty close to um to the second drop zone. Okay, so it is it is possible that it fell out. Well, This this is this is the open ended segment of our episode, folks. Um, because we have no fucking clue. Like they don't even know if the parachute opened. The 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 um the jets reported not seeing anything, you know, falling out of the plane. They didn't report any shoots opening. Nobody knows if he like opened his chute right away. You know, like as he was jumping out of the plane. Or if he, you know, knew to fall, pre-fall, you know, a couple hundred feet and then pull it, um, the chute could have not opened. He could have just hit the ground. He could have plunged into one of these rivers. Um, there's a couple theories behind that, one of which is what I pretty much think might have happened from what I've seen, which is um, these it, – it's, it's probably he dropped around the second – the second drop zone. Um, and honestly, I think he might have, he might have put on that dummy. Uh, the dummy shoot? The dummy shoot. Because he, you know, okay. So whether he put on the dummy shoot or not, and whether he, um, whether it opened or not, he most likely landed in that Washuga River. Where where was it? Washugal. The Washugal River. And like in this main spot where it drains into this huge river, the Columbia River, which goes all the way out to the Pacific. It goes past, you know, a bunch of different um, main ports. And there's huge shipping vessels going, you know, up and down there all the time. So if he drops into there, he, you know, is dead or drowns or whatever he gets washed into there with currents gets caught up in giant propellers of these monster shipping vessels his body just gets decimated and and chopped up you know um the money bag gets uh torn apart um a lot of the money is damaged or whatever but some of it you know can go over there but what what happened was that money was just buried there and it was buried there, and what they found out was in 1974, that area of that river or whatever had been dredged. So, like, they had, you know, dug up some sand and placed more on the edge or something. Okay. So, like, that sand could have been from somewhere else. So, gotcha. so yeah, I think I think he got chopped up and washed well, out, washed out to the ocean. But, um, the okay, so. If anybody has noticed, I've been saying Dan Cooper the majority of this time. He wrote down his name as Dan Cooper. And as this story unfolded in the media and everything, um, he there was some newspaper that ran the headline about the story, showed his you know famous mugshot picture or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the sketch and underneath it, it was a misspelling and it said D.B. Cooper. 
Okay. So, it, so DB Cooper is actually a typo, but it's made its way into the general consciousness. That's that's, that's what he's became known as. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, DB Cooper is really Dan Cooper, aka Dan Cooper. It's really Don Draper, aka the uh, the uh, <laughs> cash money bomb jumper. There, I, I think there was some. I know I keep saying Don Draper, but there's some there's some conspiracy that Don Draper is DB turn, turns into DB Cooper after Mad Men ends. I, have you seen Mad Men? I keep talking I have about not, it because I have not. that that's exactly who this guy pictures. pictures it's it's me. come to me highly recommended. I don't know. I've seen an episode or two, but I I, I get the gist of what you're saying. It sucks, Ian. But uh, um, anyway, anybody that's seen Mad Men. And seen the end, like it's it's kind of mysterious, and it's like it's you know Don Draper is very mysterious or whatever, and you know he could be DB Cooper. Um, Dan Cooper uh, was this European comic book hero uh, at the time, um, a character you know in a comic book. Um, it, it, he was a Royal Canadian Air Force test pilot, like most belovedly known per uh, his parachuting adventures really so yeah so that's that's where this person most likely got their inspiration for their alias okay um also lends into this person was most likely in the military or had some sort of um flight experience uh um what sort of parachuting experience um knowledge of potential you know, wilderness survival drops into, you know, trees and stuff. He, he knew what he was doing. So it is very possible that, you know, after he jumps off the back of the plane, he opens his chute at some point. He might have a really tough landing. Maybe, you know, he breaks his wrist or something or a leg, but he still manages to get out of there. It's possible. And, you know, Nobody, nobody, nobody knows. Um, nobody knows. Yeah, nobody that's knows. the thing. The, they the, don't know for a fact that, as far as anyone's concerned, he got away. He was never caught. Whether or not he lived or not, that's that's another thing. But he absconded yep. with that money and never to be seen again. Oh yeah. And yep. you know what? I want to believe. I yeah, I believe. I mean, I, I know I have the theory that that he got chopped up by giant prop blades but i want to believe yeah i want to believe yeah um so uh shit what else do i have to say about this um man i don't know that's i think that's pretty much it at least as far as i've heard that's that's more than i than i knew about it like i've i'd read about it i'd uh i'd you know, seen a little bit about it on, you know, some wildest whatever things and, you know, read the Wikipedia, but that was way more in depth than I knew about it. That's, that's pretty cool. Man. It, it's a really cool story of like a true American anti-hero. And it, it's, I mean, it, it, it's a true story. What, and it's totally unsolved. The FBI officially like closed the case unsolved in um, July of 2016, I believe I saw. So, you know, 45 years, 
they were working on it and couldn't figure anything out. Yeah. You know, um, there's like 60 volumes worth of, you know, information in the FBI headquarters on, you know, all the case files and everything. Uh, But they followed some leads. You know, there was, uh, you know, of course, there had to be some soldier who knew how to parachute you know, nearby, and his name was actually Dan Cooper, so they search him or whatever, and he, he doesn't pop up. Um, there was actually uh, a copycat hijacking and heist um, in Utah. Uh, I think it was like a couple weeks later, basically. So as, you know, the FBI is sitting around with their thumb in their ass and they really don't know what the hell to do, where they should even start looking, another hijacking happens. And it's the same way. You know, the guy's kind of dressed the same, um, but this time he asks for five, $500,000. Up he, the ante he, a little bit. Yeah, and he jumps out the back, you know, parachutes. Um, but uh, that person is subsequently apprehended because um, a tip came from somebody that he was talking to like in a bar a couple nights before. And they were looking at the newspaper story about D.B. Cooper. And he was saying, you know, I could totally do that. But if I did it, I would do it for 500000 <laughs> So... Man, loose lips sink ships. Dude, I, I swear. I, like, if I ever decide to do a crime, I don't, I don't think I'll, I can have anybody... See, that's, that's the good thing about not drinking, is now you're a lot less of a liability to yourself if you want to pursue a life of crime. I'm feeling more clear already. So, um, uh, fuck, what else do I have to say about this shit? There's been a couple people that, you know, um, have claimed, like, my, you know, dead uncle was D.B. Cooper, um, you know, my... My ex-husband said he was D.B. Cooper, you know, but all these people have been investigated and nobody's fucking D.B. Cooper. <laughs> uh, within, within the last week, actually, there's been a pretty credible break, though, um, about this guy that uh, had, like, a, a very confidential set of interviews with one of his best friends, and they recorded it. And it was all about how he's D.B. Cooper and how he did the heist and everything. And, um, you know, where he brought the money, he brought it up to Canada and put it in banks. And, um, but, uh, yeah, he passed away. And, you know, in his final wishes or whatever, he, he wanted people to know that he was D.B. Cooper. So it's, it's possible, it's most likely that D.B. Cooper is dead either way. Uh, because all, uh, yeah, um, but uh, we just don't know. No, we don't. We don't know. That, uh, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. I like those open ended. Even the FBI got stumped. Dude, forty five years the FBI's been stumped, or at least as far as we know. But uh, man, Mark. Thank you so much for that fucking story. Um, yeah, that's least, a good heist. That's, uh, that's what, yeah. That's what uh, we came out here to do. I was so stoked when um, 
he gave me that suggestion and I looked into it and saw like how much I could actually talk about. Um, and uh, if any of other of our uh, accomplices have any other heists or conspiracies or. Yeah. Uh, give us your suggestions. Your, yeah. Your tips. Yeah. Um, I know people want us to go into like um, famous old school, you know, Western gangsters. You know? Yeah, we could do that. Do a train robbery or something. Billy the Kid, Jesse James, that kind of horseshit. Yeah, I don't um, know. Maybe. Maybe we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see where this takes us. See how the research goes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, some South American dictator stuff. You never know. Oh, I, I might know. I oh, might know. I might you know. might. But uh, yeah, so that you. you got any more questions or anything or are we just gonna like leave it on like a uh <laughs> no I, th- I think we should leave it on one of whatever noise you just made uh, uh... but yeah so... give us give us five star reviews if those are even a thing Tell yeah friends, i yeah listen to our podcast we, you, and, you uh... need to get you need to get all the podcast virgins so they think that we're good before they listen to like joe rogan or anything yeah, and if you have a lot of money in a company and you want to advertise to like three people, sponsor us. Yeah, I'm sure my mom would probably buy your shit. Yeah, send send us a hat and we'll wear it during the podcast so everyone can hear it. I'll seriously wear any free t-shirt. I'm a 2X. I, I am a regular large and nothing is too offensive to go on my body. Word. Well, thanks everybody for... Listening to another episode of Take the Money and Run. <laughs> I'm right. Segro. I will barricade. And uh, this, 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 yeah, you'll this never fucking catch us. You'll never yep. catch us. Never, catch, never take us alive. <laughs>